Listener Production. In this episode, Kelly confronts a lot of the myths we see out there about movement. Like, how do we stay motivated to move? Is movement good for us? Is movement beneficial for our bodies and our brains? She's a psychologist, she's an author, she's a group fitness teacher. And in 2020, Oprah Magazine, founded by the Oprah Winfrey, named Kelly the first ever O visionary for her unabashed belief in human potential. And I've got her back today to break it down for us. We get all of these messages from being a very young kid to being an adult that what our body is telling us isn't true. There's a voice in your head that tells you to stop being lazy, even though you actually might just be tired and just need to lie down and watch Netflix. Or if you eat something, you know, people might say that we can't be hungry, that we don't need that. You can't trust your desires. Yeah. And it changes through the lifespan, right? So you start hitting middle age and later in life, and you can't trust your body not to betray you. Like every cell is about to become cancerous. I mean, the the message, it's it changes. But we keep getting new new stories about how our body cannot be trusted and we need to maintain this vigilance over our bodies. And and also just, you know, I, I think many people have the experience that of kind of a sadness around how their bodies change because of the experience mm-hmm. of illness or injury or aging. Here's a, a bit of science that for me really helps <laughs> with feeling like I can trust my body. It's this finding, you might have heard me talk about this, this might even be how you found out about me. There was this um, clip I did on a podcast that went viral where I was talking about hope molecules. Did you Have you seen that? Yes, Is that how yes. you found me? No, I've, uh, we found you because of your book, but go on, I, I want you to share these, these hope <laughs> well, mo- I think molecules. It's so, yeah. it's so interesting because whenever I write a book, I always think like, if I always have in my mind, there's like one idea that I secretly hope becomes the thing people talk about and get excited about. And when I was writing The Joy of Movement, I was like, it's hope molecules. It's going to be hope molecules. I know it. It's, And it took like three years <laughs> like the, for it to finally go viral. Um, here's what it is. So most of us think of our muscles as things that move our bones around, right? Like they're just, they're, they're levers yes. that help us move. They yes. do do that. Yes. But um, about 10 years ago, scientists realized that our muscles also are endocrine organs that produce all of these different chemicals. And most of these chemicals are exceptionally good for your health and your brain health. So your muscles make chemicals that improve your immune function, boost your heart health, kill cancer cells, make your brain more resilient to stress, more sensitive to joy. It's like a little, your muscles are pharmacies, but they hold on to these chemicals in vesicles, in your muscle fibers. They're like, I'm going to wait until you move your body. And then through muscle contraction, your muscles start pumping all of these chemicals into your bloodstream that then travel and do all these miraculous things for your body. So you, you mentioned you think that we're meant to move. This is, I think, one piece of evidence that we are meant to move because your muscles are basically, they, they when you move, your muscles are like, great, we're alive. I'm going to do everything possible to keep this system thriving. So anyway, some of those molecules, there was this paper that came out in like 2013, and the the scientists called them hope molecules. They're like, have we discovered hope molecules? And I was like highlighting. I'm like, that's it. That's the phrase. Because when when you exercise, when you move your body, you are literally pumping hope into your bloodstream. And when you think about your muscles, 
as being a source of hope that you can activate through any form of activity, doesn't that give you a sense of trust for your body? Like a, like, it's like a love. It's, it's biochemical love for you from your muscles. Mm. That, that's not the only example of, of how your body is working so hard to take care of you. But I feel like there's something very, for me, very moving, like not to be, you know, it's very emotionally moving to think that that is part of what I'm doing when I exercise. Well, it is because so often we feel like our, you know, our brain is in charge or, or we're, we're telling our body to suck it up or to keep moving or to do this and to do that. And you, when you think about how some people punish their bodies, don't give the bodies the food that it wants or, or the sleep that it needs. And yet, despite all of that, your body still loves you unconditionally, even if you don't love it. It is yeah. the, it is the friend that is with you on this entire journey of this lifetime. It is, it is so, it makes me actually quite sad to think about that a lot of people have an aspiration to be who they are without their body. It's like a lot of people think who they really are is something that's like behind their forehead. Do you know what I mean? And they're dragging around this whole other thing. And, you know, of course, the the mind and the body are fully connected and our entire experience of life is mediated through our body and our body can be a rich source of pleasure and meaning. It's, I mean, it's how we engage with life. So I, you know, it is my wish that people could have that sense of awe and, and friendship for their body, even when, you know, so I'm someone who has lived with chronic pain my whole life. I understand what it's like to also feel like your body is not always exactly what you want it to be, but what's the alternative? Mm. I think I have the same relationship with my body and how it's changed over the years after being burnt, after giving birth to kids. And I've kind of come to the, I guess, the realization that even if I don't always love my body, even if I wish it looked different, it loves me, you know, it loves me unconditionally. And so my body still deserves some care, some compassion some nurturing all of those things and how you care for your body and how you show compassion to your body and how you nurture your body I guess one of those ways is moving it in your book you talked about something called I don't know if I can pronounce it correctly synchrosity is that how you say it so synchrony uh it basically when you are moving in sync with other people or when you move in sync to the beat of music it creates this this moment of empowerment where you feel like you're connected to something bigger than yourself. So it's one reason why people love getting together to do anything in synchrony, whether it's like the wave at a sporting event, clapping and cheering, group <laughs> exercise, yes. running together all in you know, the same direction. It is you literally have a sense of yourself as being bigger than the typical boundaries that we live in. And it can feel sometimes euphoric, sometimes um, like bold, sometimes strong, sometimes hopeful. So that's, it's why I love group fitness, because you got the music and you got the other people coming together. Is that collective joy as well with group fitness? That's part of, yeah. yeah. I, you know, collective joy is this particular kind of joy that comes from feeling like you are part of something bigger than yourself, but it... it So synchrony can give you access to collective joy, but collective joy can also be found in things that aren't related to movement and music, any any sort of collective effort 
or collective experience. Like you could be with a group that's stargazing and feel a kind of collective joy. Is it kind of that warm and fuzzy feeling you get when you're with other people? It is. It's, it can be warm and fuzzy. It's funny when I talked to a researcher who studies collective joy and I asked her, how would you describe it? She didn't use words. She touched her heart and then she lifted her palms and looked up. And so I feel like I'll I'll do that for you too. Collective joy is just like, but also I would add something to it. Collective joy also often feels like this, like I'm, you know, fist pump. I think the empowerment of collective joy is really important because one of the reasons why I love teaching dance classes is people will, no matter what we're doing, the movements themselves don't have to, we don't have to be like kickboxing and, and saying I'm powerful, I'm strong. There's something about moving with other people that makes people feel powerful and strong. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I also love kicking and punching, but you can be doing the most basic or silly or graceful movements and still feel empowered. Collective joy helps us feel that we aren't alone. I so relate to that. You know, when you're at a gym and you make like you're in a group class and you make eye contact with someone else and it's like this acknowledgement that what you're doing is hard and it's challenging, but it's leading to something bigger. And also even making eye contact is brave, I I will say. Like there's something, well, no, for a lot of people. And there's something about movement that allows people to make eye contact. People were telling me this when I was talking to folks. They People with social anxiety, people who are introverts would find that getting their heart rates up, doing, you know, hard stuff, suddenly they felt more open to connecting with other people in part because it's hard. And when you are doing something hard, in many ways, it's it's easier to lean into the fact that humans need one another. And so you, you come out of your bubble. Kelly will be back on another episode of the podcast very soon. To find out more about Kelly, head to kellymcgonagall.com or check out her Instagram at Kelly Murray McGonagall. Thanks for listening to Terea Pitt's Pep Talk. Follow to get new pep talks every day. Listener.